You know, I truly have always been known as a simple man. There are things that I believe in that I think are well regarded. I believe in freedom. I believe in the freedom to express yourself. I believe in the ability in this great country of ours to go to a convenience store of your choice, gas station, whatever it is, and find virtually any candy that you could possibly imagine. It's a glorious thing that we have here. I also believe in the freedom to swim inside of a giant pool of water naked at a Bass Pro Shop, if need be. Okay? What's, what, what does this country come to? Okay? Why can't, why can't some guy just jump into a Bass Pro Shop aquarium? Granted, he was fully nude. He was butt naked. If you haven't seen the news story, naked man takes a nice little swim. Bass Pro Shop in Leeds, Alabama. I think it's Leeds, Alabama. I'm pretty sure this is. I believe it's Leeds, Alabama. I'm going to say yes to Leeds, Alabama. And Le- in beautiful Leeds, Alabama. Never been there. Don't know what it's like. I- I'm more familiar with the-, the city of Leeds in the United Kingdom because they have a soccer team there that's in the Premier League. I haven't heard of Leeds, Alabama. But what world? In what world is it frowned upon to be a man that can't jump into the Bass Pro Shop Aquarium. I know you've all looked at it. You've all looked at it and been like, What's, I wonder what it's like to swim in there. Everybody's thought it. I know I've thought it. Every other person that's been through a Bass Pro Shop has definitely thought it. Now, you don't need to lie about it, okay? This guy just took the initiative. Okay, he said, you know what? I'm actually going to do it. I'm going to jump in and I'm going to swim around in the Bass Pro Shop in Leeds Aquarium. I appreciate it. I appreciate this man who did this. Congrats. I mean, he got arrested, which sucks. Like, not great. Um, that that sucks. Which you know, come on. How about just a little, just a little, a little, a little, a little pat on the back? Like, hey, don't do that. Why, why, why can't you just let him go? You know, let let him get out of there. Let him get out of there. Let him drive away. Okay, he, he wouldn't. He was just swimming. He's just swimming. He was naked. Sure. I mean, fair enough. He he was butt naked. You could make the argument that that's probably the the most illegal thing that he did. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be against that. Uh, yeah, he was naked. Sure. Absolutely. Indecent exposure. That's a that's a thing. That that is a, that is a crime. I don't know. It's not a felony. It's probably a misdemeanor. I don't. I'm not a police officer. I'm not caught up in all the laws. But I mean, just swimming in the aquarium. You know, everybody's looked at it and thought about it. And yeah, I appreciate this man for actually doing it. Okay, I, I respect the dude that just jumps in there. Says, I don't care. I don't care if this is illegal. I want to go for a swim, and I'm going to do it at the nearest convenient the nearest convenient place that I have near me. And that happens to be. He probably was already in Bass Pro Shop. I don't know the full story. If he was already in Bass Pro Shop, he was like, I need to swim right now. And he was like, I got to do it in this Bass Pro Shop aquarium with all these. The other thing is, uh, honestly, no pun intended, a ballsy move by him. Okay. Because there is a lot of scary fish. If you go to a Bass Pro Shop anywhere near you and just look at that aquarium, there's like a lot of big fish and like some frightening fish in those aquariums. I don't know if they're carnivores by any means. If they would attack him, they probably don't have like piranhas swimming around in that aquarium. But I mean, still, like even like the thought of those fish just swimming and, you know, when you jump into a lake anyways, there already are fish, but you have the benefit of being like, kind of murky when you're swimming in the ocean or the fish next like near the water in that aquarium. It's 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 crystal clear, crystal clear. And you got all these strange fish that you've never seen before just swimming up by your legs. That's kind of, that's that's scary. And uh, you know what? I respect the man for doing it. I, I believe in a country where. You can jump into the Bass Pro Shop Aquarium and just go for a swim. Why not? I think this is more than this has happened more than one time. I remember seeing somebody 
get arrested for a similar incident. He wasn't naked, but I remember seeing an incident where somebody did jump into the aquarium at Bass Pro Shop and then he was arrested and he had all his clothes on, which that's honestly, that's probably worse. Can you imagine being arrested and you're just like soaked in the clothes that you're wearing? Probably get like a rash. Like that's got to suck. I would rather be naked and be arrested for swimming in the aquarium at Bass Pro Shop than clothed and be arrested for swimming in the aquarium at Bass Pro Shop because that's got to hurt. Like that's, that's got to suck sitting in wet clothes, wet clothes, even when it's just like raining sucks, not necessarily like jumping into a lake or a pool or anything, just like when it's raining and you've been out and you didn't have an umbrella or something like that. And you're just, just got soaked. That's a terrible, I hate that feeling. I hate the feeling of wet clothing on my body. And this guy said, I'm going to ditch it all. And I'm just going to go in butt naked. I appreciate it. I respect him. Let him go. Let the leads man go. Let him go. Let him walk. That's how I wanted to intro the show today. That was like the biggest news. I mean, maybe not the biggest news. There was a lot of other things going on, but at least at the very least, the thing that trended over the weekend was this man in Leeds, Alabama, that got butt naked and jumped in the pool or the, I keep calling it a pool. He thought it was a pool in the aquarium at Bass Pro Shops. So I wanted an intro by then. Let him go. I stand in solidarity with this Leeds man swimming in the aquarium. Welcome to the Weekend Sports Wrap podcast, ladies and gentlemen. There was a lot of other news that was happening, sports-related news that was happening in the world of sports, obviously, that we need to talk about. We've got Wild Card Weekend is here. The NFL is slowly closing down. We saw the, the finale, I guess the season finale of Red Zone. That always makes me very sad whenever um, Chris Hansen has to say, not Chris Hansen, that's not his name. I made I made Scott Hansen the guy from To Catch a Predator, not Chris Hansen, the guy from To Catch a Predator, Scott Hansen, the host of Red Zone. He was signing off last night. It does it doesn't make me tear up or anything. I'm just like, dang, it's really over. Like the season, the regular season is really over. It flies by every time. It flies by every single year. But we got more football, good football on the way. Wildcard weekend. I'm excited. We're going to talk all about that. National championship is tonight. If you're hearing this on Tuesday, it was yesterday night. If you're hearing this on Wednesday, it was two nights ago. So it's probably going to be a little bit dated, but we got to talk about that a little bit. I don't know how much more I'm going to be able to actually talk about more. I, I previewed it a little bit last week, which I probably shouldn't have. I should have waited for that, to be honest with you. That was bad. That was bad producing on my part. I apologize for that. So we'll kind of go over some of the talking points again this week. And uh, get a get a little preview, get a little preview of the college football national championship coming up tonight. But first, let's talk some let's talk some week eighteen, week eighteen in the NFL. We got week eighteen in the NFL concluded yesterday. Uh, we're gonna have some coaching carousel stuff as well because uh, the carousel is already hopping and moving. We had two firings this morning, uh, Monday morning, the eighth. If uh, you're listening at a later date, it was January eighth, Monday morning. We had some firings across the NFL already. Uh, still, that I still some that I think are going possibly to happen that we're waiting on. We'll see one big one that we'll get to here in just a little bit. But let's talk about some of the important games from week 18. Uh, the Titans and the Jaguars. The Jaguars needed to win this game to kind of make it less murky in the AFC. The Titans, in true Titan fashion, in true Mike Vrabel fashion, there's nobody better in the NFL, in my opinion. And they're 5-11 and this year. The Titans finished the season 5-11 and this year. They were not very good. Not a very good football team whatsoever. A bad offensive line. Just not a lot of great stuff on that football team. Andrew Hopkins was pretty good. Uh, Derrick Henry still put up some decent numbers. He's not going to age very well, in my opinion, though, just because of the way he runs. That's, uh, again, we've already seen that position kind of kaput, capitulate into itself uh, over the years. So we'll see how much longer Derrick Henry goes. He's a free agent as well, so he might not he might be done in Tennessee. We'll see. Um, but Mike Vrabel, there's nobody better than the Tennessee Titans 
at just dragging you through the mud and making you play the game that the Titans want you to play. Like that, there's no team, no matter what their record is, they're like, yeah, you're going to come into Tennessee and you're going to play the way that we want to play because Mike Vrabel is just really good at doing that. And he comes from the Bill Belichick coaching tree, which is another thing that the Bill Belichick does really well. The Patriots do really well that they make you force you to play the way that they want to play. And I would argue that Mike Vrabel, at least over the last few years, because they got Derrick Henry, who's somebody that can really slow the pace of the game down, obviously if he's running very effectively. And I would say that Mike Vrabel and the Titans have learned to do it probably better than the Patriots, especially over the last few years, because the Patriots have just been uh, essentially no identity, especially offensively uh, over the past few years since Tom Brady has left and Vrabel, they got Derrick Henry. He became a almost a 2000 yard rusher that one season. And uh, he was, they were like, yeah, we're just going to run him into the ground essentially for the rest of the time that we have him. And that's what they've done. That's basically what they've done every single game. It's basically Derrick Henry. They had some Will Levis games here and there. They had a couple Ryan Tannehill uh, explosion games. If you will, there was a time it was probably two years ago where we were legitimately talking about the Tennessee Titans as a Super Bowl contender, if you can believe that. That was after, if I remember correctly, the Tennessee Titans went to um, Los Angeles and they played the Rams, if I remember correctly, on like Sunday Night Football and beat the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday. Uh, it was either Sunday Night Football or Monday Night Football, one of the two. And it was, um, yeah, November 7th, 2021. And the Titans, after this game... I guess coming into this game, they were six and two on the season. Los Angeles Rams coming into this game were seven and one. And the Titans went into Los Angeles. They beat the Rams 28 to 16. I remember this game being pretty dominant on the Titans side. And they were seven and two heading into what have been week 10, I guess, essentially. Uh, and they dominated the uh, Los Angeles Rams, get their seventh one of the season, go seven and two. And there was a moment we were like, yeah, this is a Super Bowl contending team. I think I said that. I, I may have said that on this program, this very program, I may have said that. And then after that Rams game, they go on to beat New Orleans and then they win. They lose two games, two kind of bad games in a row. They lose to Houston and then in retrospect, a not very good New England game, uh, New England team. They get blown out by the New England team. And then they lose to Pittsburgh two weekends later. They have a, a win against San Francisco in here, which looking back is weird to think about given where both teams are at this point. Uh, and then they go into the playoffs. They're 12 and five heading into the playoffs. And then they play Cincinnati. That was the big game with Tannehill where everybody was like, is Tannehill the answer, even though he had a pretty good season all the way through the year. And then he just gets kind of picked apart by Cincinnati uh, on uh, defensively. Cincinnati kind of picks him apart and uh, forces him, him into a bunch of turnovers. And the questions start to begin about Ryan Tannehill. And now two years later, here we are, they're six and 11. And, you know, we're kind of contemplating the future of what that entire situation is going to look like. Vrabel is still going to be there. I don't have any inkling or reasoning to believe that Vrabel is not going to be there next year or for the near future. But Derrick Henry is more than likely not going to be there anymore. There's no reason for Ryan Tannehill to be there anymore with Will Levis kind of stepping up, becoming uh, the guy that they're going to ride out for the future. And then A.J. Brown's not there anymore, obviously, being with the Eagles the last two seasons. Uh, just a, it's a weird a weird flip-flop of events for the Tennessee Titans, but still six and a lot or five eleven coming into this game this weekend uh, with the Jags with the, the opportunity for the Jags to come to play a playoff spot, nothing to play for, for the Tennessee Titans. They have no playoff possibilities. It's basically, I mean, if you're a, a general fan of the Tennessee Titans or somebody in management for the Tennessee Titans, you probably want them to lose this game for a better draft position. But Mike Rabel says we don't lose on purpose here. Absolutely not. I would never in a million years would I ever dream of doing that. And they just ruin 
the 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 life of Jacksonville Jaguars fans wreak havoc on Trevor Lawrence all day. Uh, just have him seeing ghosts all day. Trevor Lawrence, we're going to have a serious conversation at some point about Trevor Lawrence. What's the next step for Trevor Lawrence? I still think he's a very good quarterback, but you know, we got to see something out of him. I think like the drop down from last year to this year, maybe a little concerning. He was dealing with injury obviously, but at this point who isn't in the NFL, you know, uh, especially once you get into the latter half of the season, it's basically every quarterback is fighting something. So um, that's a conversation for another day. We'll see where the, the, the chips fall, I guess, with Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. But man, the Titans, they just have an uncanny ability. Mike Vrabel, an uncanny ability. No matter what the record is, we're just going to drag you through the mud, make you play the game that we want to play, and then we'll pick you off on defense. We'll force a turnover here or there. They almost gave it away towards the end there as well. Um, but regardless, the Titans find a way, ruin Jacksonville's time, beat a division rival and say, hey, guess what? Screw you. I mean, I guess that's probably kind of the 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 motivation for the Titans going into that game. They're just, we're going to ruin somebody's day. We're going to ruin somebody's season. And it would not be any, there's no better uh, team to want to ruin, I guess, or season they want to ruin than an AFC South divisional rival. So shout out to the Titans. Props to them. They just do it. They do it better than anybody. There's nobody like, quite like the Tennessee Titans. It feels like the Titans are a team that no matter who they're playing against, I maybe don't have the utmost, the utmost confidence in the world of them winning the football game, obviously, but I have confidence in them. Like they're a cover team, I guess is what I would say. I feel very confident in them for some reason. They're, you know, a six and a half point underdog. I'm like, yeah, I'll take that line. I'll take, I'll take the, the, the Titans plus six and a half just because that's the game they play. It's really annoying. It's hard to watch most times because they don't have a very high powered offense. Obviously their defense is pretty good and they love to just slow the game down, make you slow it down to a crawl keep the offense out there or uh, limit the offense, the opposing offense out there from a very for a, for a very long time. And they just tire you out They're They're a, they're a heavyweight boxing champion at this point where they're just, you know, blow for blow, not going for knockouts. The, the clinch goes, I guess, essentially just going to tire you out for 10 rounds. And then we'll come on and uh, win in the, the, the latter half of the game essentially, or turn you over essentially and win the game that way. The Titans, man, ruin the season for the Jaguars. Okay. The Bills, they clinched the AFC East. We were ringing alarm bells for the Bills. Still, I mean, still not a great season, to be honest with you, for the Buffalo Bills, uh, but they turned it around. There was real serious alarm bells after um, basically week 10 from them. Uh, they uh, were 5-5 five and five going into week 11, fired their offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, uh, were promoted from within and Joe Brady, who, you know, everybody, uh, at least I know Joe Brady from his uh, very, very effective uh, being a passing game coordinator for that LSU team from 2019, I think is what it is, 2018, 2019 with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, that basically broke a slew of records in the, in the college football world. So uh, Joe Brady gets promoted to offensive coordinator and the team seemingly writes some of the wrongs uh, in their in their problem, the problems that they were having before. I don't know how much credit I want to give to Joe Brady necessarily. They did finish the season on a very good run. They've won five in a row, uh, did exactly what they needed to do to get into the playoffs. They finished the season 11 and six, which obviously that's a very, a very solid record to end the season on. But for a while there, I mean, they were six and six heading into their bye week, week 13, won five in a row, finished 11 and six, uh, win the AFC East over the dolphins. And, um, I don't know how much of a nod necessarily I want to give to the offense on that side of the football. I don't know if it's necessarily 
as much of a leap offensively as I think a lot of people are making it out to be. And, you know, a lot of the smarter voices in this area of football talk, if you will, know, you know, they're looking at the offensive scouting report, the defensive scouting report and seeing the differences. So the offense, for the most part, um, from week one through 10 was one of the best offenses in uh, in all of the NFL heading into basically through week 10. They were third in EPA per play. First in success rate, seventh in EPA per pass, second in EPA per rush, fourth in pass rate over expected. And that's not really a, um, you know, a metric for, you know, how good you're doing, but just the pass rate essentially. Um, early down EPA, they were fourth in the early down EPA, uh, EPA per play. Um, their explosive rate was down, fifteenth in explosive rate. It's twenty second in explosive pass rate, uh, and then ex- and then fourth again in explosive rush rate. So. They weren't, I mean, they were a good offense. They were really a good offense. They were turning the ball over way too much, which was a huge problem. Josh Allen still has that problem, in my opinion. Some of the throws that we saw last night against the Dolphins were just a big question mark, if you will. Uh, one of the touchdown passes that he got was uh, basically lucky, where it bounced off of somebody's helmet, and uh, their, uh, their I, think, I think that was his wide receiver, tight end, one of the, one of the two, uh, caught it in the end zone for the touchdown. So not necessarily... Uh, a, a touchdown of his making, if you will, but some of the turnovers were very questionable. Um, a fumble that they absolutely could not have in that moment uh, were on Josh Allen. So he still has those problems, but even with those problems, the offense was still putting up very, very successful numbers. And after that, after they fired Ken Dorsey, which I came on here and I said that was very questionable. I don't know why they're doing this. They have gotten the turnovers down. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball. They're running a lot more on first downs than they were before. They have a much higher success rate out of 11 personnel. They're kind of limiting a lot of the personnel that they're doing, which under Dorsey, it was basically 11 and 12 personnel personnel the whole time. But they're still running 11 and 12 personnel, and they're doing, they have a much higher success rate out of 11 personnel, personnel. And most importantly, something that I don't necessarily think a hiring of an offensive coordinator really changes that much much of to be honest with you this is more of something that i think you have to have a conversation with the quarterback himself and say hey you gotta cut down on the turnovers and that is something i think that clearly happened because uh they had 18 giveaways from weeks one through 10 which 10 after 10 was the um the game at the before week 11, I guess is the easier way to say it is uh when ken dorsey got fired so week one through 10 uh they had 18 giveaways and then week uh, 11 through 18, they only had 10 giveaways and they, I think they had a plus three turnover differential in that time and a minus five uh, from week one to week 10. So that is obviously a change in a lot of turnovers are just luck based, especially fumbles. I mean, fumbles are a scrum essentially and whoever lands on top of it first or lands on top of it and it stops moving is the victor in that situation. Uh, And then interceptions can be very luck based as well. So they're kind of a bad example of, I think, in the grand scheme of things, not a great example of whether your quarterback's really good or really bad. You just can't have it in today's modern example of the NFL. It's not a great overarching example because um, you look at players like Brett Favre, who is widely not accepted as the best of all time, but one of the greats of all time, and he has the most interceptions of all time. So uh, interceptions aren't an end-all, be-all necessarily, but in today's game where turnovers are in the limited amount of positions that you have and how much you need to score in this league in order to be successful, um, turnovers are killer. And the limited amount of possessions that you have ending on turnovers and giving good field position away uh, are just are usually doom, uh, doom and gloom for uh, an offense. So 
I don't know how much of a difference Joe Brady has really necessarily made uh, on the offense. He, he's looking at the actual uh, numbers from before, from week 11 to week 18, when Joe Brady was the offensive coordinator, has been the offensive coordinator for Buffalo. They are third in EPA per play, 11th in success rate, uh, fourth in EPA per, pla- per pass, fifth in EPA per rush, and then eighth in early down EPA per play, seventh in explosive rate, 17th in explosive pass rate, seventh in explosive rush rate, and fifth in average starting field position. That one doesn't really matter, but seventh in explosive rush rate is a big one. I think that their run game has definitely gotten, gotten increasingly better. James Cook has proven that he's been a very, very good uh, running back out of that backfield, and the more that they've given him the ball on first downs, uh, I think the more that he has rewarded them for it. I think he's been a very good uh, option for them to kind of take the pressure off of Josh Allen in a lot of those scenarios and give more options out of the backfield. Um, so that's been a great, a great addition to that team. Uh, I guess not addition, but a, a great change for them uh, on on that side of the football. But the big thing that has changed for me, in my opinion, has is their defense. Their defense has gotten way better uh, from week one, weeks one through 10 to weeks 11 through 18. So weeks one through 10, their defense, which again, Ken Dorsey, no say in anything that the defense does. This is just completely unrelated. I think maybe Dorsey was kind of just the one that they hung out to dry in this situation. They didn't make any personnel changes that I know of uh, on the defensive end after week 10 and uh, weeks one through 10. The defense was giving up the 17th ranked EPA per play, the 23rd ranked success rate. Um, So their 17th in EPA per play, their defense was 23rd in success rate, 20th in EPA per pass, 18th in EPA per rush, 14th in early down EPA per play, 24th in explosive rate, 19th in explosive pass rate, 29th, 29th. So bottom three in the league in explosive rush rate uh, at 12.22%. That's that's just weeks one through 10 in uh, their defense, uh, the Buffalo defense. And then weeks 11 through 18, their EPA, EPA per play on defense has improved to eighth in the league. Their success rate is still at about 18th. Their EPA per pass, this has been huge, has been fifth. They've really cut down on a lot of the passing, explosiveness passing and the pass plays uh, that opposing teams have been able to get off. They're rushing, their, their rush defense is still kind of a question mark, 28th in EPA per rush. Uh, but their early down EPA, they've cut down to seventh explosive rate down to second and explosive pass rate again, down to first. They're allowing the the least amount of explosive pass plays in the NFL from week 11 to week 18. Their explosive uh, run rate still kind of a problem. They're 26th in that mark. So the rush defense has still been kind of a, a question mark. Not very, I mean, honestly, it hasn't improved as probably gotten a little bit worse since a week 11 through 18, but the pass game, they've really been able to limit uh, Buffalo has on that side of the football on the defensive side of the football. So that's where the drastic change has been and then forcing more turnovers weeks 11 through 18 and protecting the football more on the offensive side. There hasn't been a huge amount of change offensively other than the reduction in turnovers in the run game, obviously that I've seen. Um, but the defense has really stepped up in that, uh, the, in that, uh, in that time from weeks one through 10 to week 11 through 18 after the Ken Dorsey firing. So, and Ken Dorsey, again, nothing to do with the defense. He was the offensive coordinator, had literally no say in anything that the defense was doing. There was just obviously some sort of change people coming back from injury. They did make a trade with the, uh, with the Packers to get a cornerback whose name is escaping me. I apologize, but that was also a big move move to try to shore up part of their secondary as well, because they saw they were getting really pieced up, if you will, in the secondary. So, more of a change defensively, I think, has been the improvement from Buffalo than 
the change offensively has been the major improvement than the than the major improvement in Buffalo. The changing from Joe Brady to uh, from Ken Dorsey to Joe Brady. Indeed, I think a philosophy change a little bit with them obviously running the ball a lot more on first downs, uh, really giving the ball more to James Cook just in general. Um, and then, you know, a lot of the, the stuff on defense as well that has changed in, in their way as well. So Buffalo, we'll see that. I mean, it's going to be a stingy team uh, getting out of the getting out of the wild card game, but it is, it's a one game sample. That's the great thing about wild card games, just all NFL playoff games. It's one game sample. Really anything can happen. It's going to be interesting to see what they can do against a Steelers defense that I don't think uh, some, it seems like TJ Watt may be out in this game, which is going to be a huge loss for them, obviously. Uh, but that's a very stingy defense that can win them football games. Obviously they've basically won, uh, got into the playoffs off of the backs of their defense. So, uh, but without TJ Watt, we'll see if they're, you know, any sort of replicable or any sort of as good without, uh, are probably the best pass rusher in the entire NFL. So we'll see with the Buffalo bills. If, if, if Josh Allen can limit turnovers, which again, big, if honestly, he has at least one head scratching turnover a game, it feels like at this point. So if he can avoid that and the Buffalo defense does not just get gashed on the ground against a decent running game in Pittsburgh, then, um, you know, Buffalo can maybe, maybe go a little further than everyone is kind of expecting. The AFC is, uh, it's kind of, I mean, they're the two seats. So, I mean, it, the all, all inclination assumes that they're going to be playing the Ravens in the, uh, in the AFC uh, championship game. But I mean, the AFC is kind of wide open outside of Baltimore. I think Baltimore is far and away the best team in the AFC right now. And the rest of it is kind of, It'll just be interesting to see who comes out of that skirmish that is a bloodbath that is two through seven in the AFC. But I think far and away, like Baltimore is the best team in that conference. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with the Buffalo Bills. Hi, it's Kathleen and Jack from 307 Real Estate. If you're thinking of buying a property in the near future, the first thing you should do is call your banker or a home loan company and get pre-qualified. That way you'll know in advance how much you can borrow for your dream home. Great advice, Kathleen. There's nothing worse than finding that perfect home and then finding out you don't qualify. Once qualified, give us a call and we can start looking for that perfect home. We're a Wyoming-based company and here for you, Wyoming. Call Kathleen and Jack at 307 Real Estate, 307-763-1249. You're in heaven living in 307. Okay, let's talk some coaching carousel items, okay? We already had two teams fire their head coaches this morning. It's early and often for the NFL. They say, hey, guess what? Season's over. You don't even get breathing time, Arthur Smith. You're fired. He was angry at Dennis Allen last week, or I guess on Sunday, for uh, scoring a touchdown late in the the game when they were in victory formation. They faked a, a kneel or whatever, handed the ball off to Jamal Williams. And scored a touchdown to put him up, I think it was like 48 to 17 or something like that. And Arthur Smith was not happy uh, about that. He went out, started cursing at Dennis Allen, and then less than 15 hours later, he lost his job. So that's a tough way to go out if you're Arthur Smith. That's not a great look. Um, but probably for the better, I think. I, I never thought Arthur Smith, he was, in my opinion, looking at a lot of the stuff he was doing offensively. Very questionable. Uh, he has a, one of the better tight ends in the league, in my opinion. If you gave him more, uh, more targets, more situations to be uh, profitable in, if you were, if if you will, in Kyle Pitts, I think he's one of the 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 craziest athletes I've seen at that position, and he could be, in my opinion, someone similar to Travis Kelsey. He's a little more agile than Travis Kelsey. He's got more to do, I think, more ability after the catch than Travis Kelsey, but somebody that can be that sort of security blanket, if you will, at tight end. Um, which is why I think Arthur Smith being let go, I think this is a team 
that's going to be very interesting. They have a pretty good situation, I think, in Atlanta. They have about $36 million in cap space, if I remember correctly. Um, and they have like a decent, uh, a decent, I guess, bedrock, if you will, uh, in terms of team. They're missing the most important position, obviously. Desmond Ritter is not the answer at quarterback. I think we can all agree to that. And without a quarterback, your team is really not going to be doing anything in the NFL. Clearly, Atlanta Falcons, they finished, what was it, 4-12 and or something like that, 5-11. and 11. I don't remember off the top of my head, 4-13, and 13, I guess, now with 18 games. Uh, but they were not very good. But I think if you're able to find a quarterback in a quarterback market, that might be interesting because Kirk Cousins is becoming a free agent. We'll see if the Vikings re-sign him. But after that, as of right now, there's like a pretty a pretty steep drop off um, in terms of talent in the free agent market after him. It's like Jacoby Brissett, Ryan Tannehill is going to be a free agent. Baker Mayfield might not be a terrible option for this team either. I don't think that's necessarily out of the question. That could be another stop for Baker Mayfield. And I think with the talent around this team, I don't think that's a terrible option either. I think he could genuinely make uh, Kyle Pitts and Drake London, like a pretty decent one to combo as well as having Bijan Robinson out of the backfield who is very good. So I think that this is a pretty, uh, a not terrible option. If you are a head coach coming into, you know, your first situation in the league, uh, your first head coaching situation in the league, I think somebody like Ben Johnson could do something really cool with this team, with the amount of talent they have uh, on the outside. And uh, with B. John Robinson, obviously Tyler Al- Algier as a backup as well. He's already Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for Detroit, the Detroit lions, obviously. So he's already got experience with a kind of a two, uh, a two-headed running back system, as well as having a bona fide, you know, uh, number one wide receiver in Amon Ross St. Brown, as well as a bona, fo- a bona fide tight end one in Sam Laporta. I think it could do some very interesting things with this team if they're able to find a decent quarterback situation or a decent quarterback to slot him, uh, slot under center. They also have the eighth pick in the draft, so drafting a quarterback is not necessarily out of the realm of possibilities either. If they're, um, if you're the Falcons, you might be looking at trying to get up, move up. If the bears aren't going to be trading, Justin Fields might be trying to move up to that number one overall pick, go get, um, go get Caleb Williams. And that team is cooking with grease at that point. I mean, that's a, that's going to be, that'd be a scary football team. In my opinion, if Caleb Williams works out, uh, he ends up being a very good quarterback. If you put him under the right situation with a guy like Ben Johnson, if they're willing to invest a decent amount of money at the head coaching position with a guy like Ben Johnson, I think that that could be a scary team that now that's like best case scenario for the Atlanta Falcons. If they're able to find a quarterback, that's good enough. Uh, if they're able to get a, I think an offensive minded head coach would be important. Um, then that's, you know, that would be the perfect off season for the Atlanta Falcons. And I really don't think honestly, personally, I don't think they're that far away. I think because the quarterback situation is really dire Atlanta, like Desmond Ritter was not very good at all this entire season. Um, but they have like good pieces around the quarterback position that I think could really help them jump to the next level with a good quarterback. Their offensive line was pretty good for the most, for the most part this entire season. They had standouts at those, at that offensive line positions and Chris Lindstrom, Jake Matthews was good. Drew Dahlman, all those guys are under contract. So that's your center guard tackle trio that were all pretty good this season. And they all started 14, 16 and 17 games. So they were healthy basically the entire season, which is kind of rare for offensive linemen in today's game. Uh, So, I mean, that's a good outlook for them. They're pretty solid up front. Uh, but they are going to lose, you know, they're, they're going to need some depth out wide at the wide receiver position. Van Jefferson's probably going to be gone. Mac Hollis Hollins is probably going to be gone uh, as well as Scotty Miller is probably going to be gone as well. So, and again, they have $36 million to work with. 
in cap space come 2020 uh, come the offseason for 2024 so uh they do need to get some to, to shore up some stuff on the front seven they're going to lose uh more than likely Calais Campbell who was pretty uh, honestly kind of had a, a resurrected type of year for them on defense and then Bud Dupree is probably going to be gone at the edge position as well uh linebacker probably needs to be fixed up a little bit they're going to be losing one guy at that position but they don't really have any huge standouts at the linebacking position either but uh their secondary is not bad either. Like they have a couple standouts at the secondary position as well. Jesse Bates had a very, very, very good year at safety, uh, which is kind of a, a commodity to have at that position. But he was a very one, of, probably arguably the best safety all season uh, this year. Jesse Bates was. He was very, very good for the Atlanta Falcons. They also have AJ Terrell, who's a cornerback, young guy, but has shown that he's going to hopefully grow into somebody that's going to be very good for them as well. So. It'll be interesting to see what the Falcons do, what they do at head coach. I think this is going to be a very pivotal head coaching search. I think this is probably the team that's going to benefit or not benefit, obviously, with the Arthur Smith hire uh, the most from the quarterback or excuse me, the uh, head coaching position as well as quarterback, because I think they really are like they are good enough if they can shore up some defensive line issues and they can maybe bring Calais Campbell back and he doesn't lose a step, even though he is aging. Bud Dupree back would probably not be bad either or find somebody out in the free agent market. Now, granted, the defensive end or edge defender market is very, very uh, expensive in the free agency world. So that would be tough to do as well as try to bring in a quarterback, but options to fit, to say the very least. I think the Atlanta Falcons, Falcons fans, I think you can, you know, rest easy if they, if they get the head coaching hiring, right, which to me, I think they need to go all out on a guy like Ben Johnson for the Detroit lions. I think they need to get him with all the offensive talent that they have uh, on the exterior with the guys that I've been mentioning. I think that would be a great hire for them. If they can maybe get uh, not even a great starting quarterback, if you can get a guy like Baker Mayfield from Tampa Bay, get him up to Atlanta. He played, I mean, pretty valiantly this year, Baker Mayfield did. And I think you put him under a guy like Ben Johnson. I think that could be a very good tandem for them. Um, like I said, need to shore up some stuff on the defensive line, middle linebacker, stuff like that. But uh, I don't think they're that far away. Ladies and gentlemen, I think the Falcons are closer than, uh, than I think we are thinking every time we watched the Atlanta Falcons this year, we were like, ugh throw up in my mouth type stuff. But I don't necessarily think that was because of their roster construction. I think that was a lot of um, what they were doing philosophically, uh, just what they were doing uh, on offense. That was not very fun to watch. Drake London was not a focal point of the offense very often. Kyle Pitts was not the focal point of the offense very often. Bijan Robinson at times was just, you know, not on the field for uh, like he was getting out snapped by Tyler Algiers or Cordero Patterson or whatever. And uh, we were left scratching our head. So I think there's somebody out there that can benefit from the roster construction that the Falcons have right now. Right now, and uh, I, I think I think they're closer than we're giving them credit for. I think they're close. I think they're close, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, another team that just fired their head coach today, Ron Rivera, kind of mentioned that he would, felt like he was on the way out. They fired him at in Washington. The Commanders have let him go. This one less optimistic about this one. I, I think this one feels more like a full rebuild. Sam Howell, I don't think is really the answer at quarterback. It feels like he's somebody that's probably going to be a backup for another team or even this team in the future. Um, they do have a decent wide receiving room. Terry McLaurin, I think, is a bona fide wide receiver one in this league. Uh, Jahan Dotson, I think, could be a very good, uh, pretty decent wide receiver two. Um, but the O-line needs a lot more pieces. Jonathan Allen and Darren Payne are on extensions. 
I think they're probably going to be traded towards the near the future. I don't think they're going to be here long enough to see out a rebuild. And then if they are, it's going to be towards the end of the contract that they just signed. And they're probably not going to be uh, want to hang around Washington after that amount of time. So I think that they're probably going to want to see if they can get some sort of uh, trade packages out of Jonathan Allen, Darren Payne, even though I think they're both very good interior defenders, especially Jonathan Allen. I think he's a very good interior defender. Uh, but this team feels like it's much more a full re- rebuild. They have like a guy like Ken- they have a guy like Kendall Fuller on the outside who played pretty well, but he is aging, um, and that position is hard for people who are aging out. Uh, players who are aging out the quarterback cornerback position, uh, especially with how much speed we're seeing come into the game at the wide receiver position. So this one feels like a more full rebuild. Uh, they've they've got good picks in the upcoming draft, which is good, obviously. They have the number two pick in the draft, so they're more than likely, I would imagine, going to go after uh, Drake May if uh, Caleb Williams is selected, and if it's not him, uh, then they're going to take Caleb Williams. Their their biggest need is quarterback, and you're not going to pass up on a quarterback at the number two pick if your biggest need is quarterback. So I think they're going to take Drake May or Caleb Williams, depending on whatever the Bears do or, you know... um, whoever trades up to that position if they're the Bears because they the Bears have a very interesting draft situation on their hand. Uh, we'll see what they do. We'll, we'll see what they do. I think that, personally, I think they should probably ride it out with Justin Fields. I think I've seen I've seen enough with Justin Fields around. Like, I think he's good enough. I think he can play that position uh, successfully for the Chicago Bears. And if they trade down, they will have a, a, a plethora of assets that they can work with at that point. So, um Anyways, the commanders, yeah, quarterback position. They traded away, you know, uh, Chase Young to the Niners, Montez Sweat as well. They kind of started bailing out on the season halfway through uh, and uh, got some assets out of that. And now they're in need, obviously, of an edge position uh, and uh, or an edge defender, if you will. And I think they can maybe find that in the draft as well. But I don't know. They're at the number two pick. They are it's quarterback or nothing at this point. Like that's they're picking quarterback. I, I would be stunned if they did anything outside of quarterback. I don't think that Sam Howell really did anything that solidified his position as being the quarter, the franchise quarterback for the Washington commanders. So it feels like they're going to go quarterback. I would be, like I said, I would be stunned if they did not go quarterback. They went edge or something like that, uh, especially with a guy like Drake may or Caleb Williams sitting there at the number two pick. So feels like it does feel like this team is going to be a full rebuilding team, but they could get a pretty good jump start if they're able to get a good franchise quarterback out of that second pick. So, We'll see who they go with at uh, head coach as well. It'd be interesting. I I don't really know. I mean, th- honestly, at this point, and this kind of leads into the next situation, you're, you're kind of making yourself look as good as possible for somebody like Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick sounds like, according to Jay Glazer, he came on, I think it was today, uh, earlier today, and said that, that Jay Glazer would not be returning to the New England Patriots. It's not official yet. There's nothing official about it. But Jay Glazer is pretty spot on with a lot of the stuff that he does uh, when it comes to NFL, NFL insider type stuff. So I would imagine, I would imagine, I'm not prediction. I, I would say if Bill Belichick is available, you're basically making yourself look, if you're the Falcons, if you're the Panthers, if you're the you know, you the other if you're the Chargers or whatever, you're basically trying to make yourself look as good as possible to try and bring in Bill Belichick. Now, I don't know how 
good that would end up being. I, I think you need to have him just be the head coach. I don't think he needs to be player, the director of player personnel or anything like that. I think he has proven that he is not very good at that part of it. I don't think he's been a very good G- GM, at least the later part of his career uh, for the Patriots. I think that's part is really uh, hampered a lot of his, uh, so a lot of uh, created, I guess what I should say, a lot of the issues that kind of plague the Patriots right now. So I think if you're hiring Bill Belichick, you're hiring him strictly in a head coaching position. Um, and this is if he ends up leaving the Patriots, we'll see. Um, and it's still all up in the air, but my prediction is with Jake Glazer coming on and just saying like straight up, Hey, yeah, he's not going to be with the Patriots next year. Like he, like he was stating it for a fact. It sounded like he was not, I, I he may have said uh, my reporting indicates or anything like that, but he was very confident in what he was saying. So, and uh, I believe a lot, a lot in what Jake Glazer is saying whenever it comes to that sort of stuff. So sounds like Bill Belichick is going to be out in new England and it's going to be a free for all for the five teams or whatever it is. Uh, it, whatever it ends up being right now, the five teams that don't have a head coach, I will say another one that is, has a head coaching vacancy, the Las Vegas Raiders, they fired Josh McDaniels halfway through the season, something like that. But it feels like, I mean, if Antonio Pierce, he not necessarily turned that team around, but the vibe around that team drastically got better once Antonio Pierce took over and it would be, it would be an absolute shame if Antonio Antonio Pierce did not get this job as Las Vegas Raiders head coach. Um, he just feels like he kind of bleeds that role, bleeds Las Vegas Raiders. It feels like he's very, uh, he's very into that group, that team as a whole. And I think breaking that up would be a very bad idea if you were Mark Davis and um, trying to hire out somebody else that doesn't necessarily know that situation very well. Antonio Pierce is uh, as good as knowing that situation uh, as anybody, obviously, came in, he was under Josh McDaniels, and then McDaniels gets fired, and uh, Antonio Pierce comes in and out uh, basically outperforms Josh McDaniels in every discernible way as a head coach, and the team played a lot better, I, honestly, a lot better under Antonio Pierce. They don't have necessarily the the pieces there that uh, make a great team. The quarterback situation is still a big question mark. They spent poorly, I would say, on Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Devontae Adams, we'll see if he's still there because um, it feels like we're going to be talking about him uh, with trade rumors and stuff like that for the near future. Uh, and then Max Crosby as well out of the defensive end. But outside of that, I mean, there's still very many, a lot of question marks on that roster uh, as well. So Tony Pierce, I think, did as good of a job as possible in that in that, in that that situation. And I think I would, I would be stunned if he was not hired on as the full-time head coach for the Las Vegas Raiders, especially as well given the financials of their two previous head coaching hires in Josh McDaniels, the amount of money that they gave him and then the calamity that was John Gruden after um, they hired him as well. So they might as well just hire in house, be like, yeah, come on in. We're not going to hire out one of those massive contracts again. Antonio, you got the job. I I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of uh, uh, searching outward for the Las Vegas Raiders looking for other head coaches. So yeah, that's uh, that's kind of head coaching here at Carousel, and it's always fun. It's always a fun ride, if you will, this time of year. Head coaching Carousel has already started. We're not even into the playoffs yet, and uh, the head coaching Carousel is already uh, is already going. The music's already playing, if you will. The, the weird clown carnival music is already playing, and we're going in circles. Okay, let's talk the wild card next.
Have you visited Alpine Climate Control's showroom? They have fireplace features, furnaces, outdoor fire pits, and pizza ovens that are all hooked up and working so you can see exactly how they all function before you buy. They also have outdoor seating, heat, and lights available. Stop by Alpine Climate Control and visit the showroom today. The showroom is open weekdays from 8.30 until 4.30 and every Saturday from 10 until 4. Alpine Climate Control located at 2705 Coffeen Avenue in Sheridan and online at alpineclimatecontrol.com. So the NFL script writers, whom I'm joking, I'm being facetious about, I don't actually believe in them, but if they did exist, they did unbelievable work this postseason. I mean, they really did some great stuff this weekend, this upcoming weekend, wildcard weekend. It's a beautiful, just amazing storylines for the six games I think are must watch, must watches because of the storylines that they have starting off Cleveland Browns, they're traveling to Houston taking on the Texans. This is a big one. Uh, the Texans, they're taking on the team. They traded to John Watson to, um, and in the end, got CJ Stroud because of just an incredible storyline there. And Deshaun Watson's not even playing, but I don't even think it matters. Like, I think that the entire storyline is more about what happened around Deshaun Watson and basically how it affected the Texans. And then for the Cleveland to go out and actually pay the man the amount of money that they did, trade for him and then pay him, uh, an interesting matchup. I'm really, I'm, I'm rooting for the Texans hard in this game. I'm really, really rooting for the Texans in this game. I want them to win. I, I want them to dominate the Browns just as a, a good sign of unity for the rest of uh, the world for them to beat up on the Browns. And you know what? And Deshaun Watson's not even playing. It's gonna be Joe Flacco, but still I'm like, please just do it. Just embarrass the Browns, embarrass the Browns in this game. That would make me, that would make me happy. That'd make me feel very good. Uh, the other ones, some of the other ones, we have the Miami Dolphins traveling to Kansas City, take on the Chiefs. Tyreek Hill, he's playing in his first game back in Kansas City. He already played Kansas City once, but that was the game in Frankfurt. So he wasn't in Kansas City. He's going to be taking on Kansas City in Kansas City for the first time since he was traded to the Miami Dolphins. When was that? Three years ago? Two two years ago now? Something like that? It can't, it's crazy that it's been that long. Already, um, but he's playing against the Chiefs for the first time in Kansas City uh, since he has been since he was traded. So that'll be an interesting game. It's gonna be like cold as hell in that in that stadium in Kansas City. Very very cold. It's gonna be uh, I think zero. I believe is what I said. It's gonna be zero degrees with uh, some wind as well, like ten mile an hour winds. Doesn't look great for either of these teams because they are high powered. Love to throw the football. Dolphins lean on the run a lot, and they're a good running football team, but. With that said, this Chiefs defense has looked very, very good over the last, I mean, basically in the the whole season, but uh, they've looked very good in recent weeks as well. So this is a toss-up to me. It says right now, it says the Chiefs are three and a half point favorites according to what I'm looking at, but um, three and a half feels like a lot. I mean, and three and a half isn't a lot. I mean, it's a field goal essentially, but this will be interesting. This to me is more of a toss up. Like I just, because the dolphins are very effective running football. They do have a lot of injuries on the defensive side of the ball, both sides of the ball, but mainly the defensive side of the ball, their pass rush is going to be an issue because of how many injuries that they have had on that side of the football. And if you can't get to Patrick Mahomes with four, then yeah, I mean, I still believe in him being able to kind of pick you apart uh, as needed. So it'll be interesting to see chiefs. That's going to be a, that's going to be a uh, a good game for kind of gauge the perspective of them, uh, the prospect, I guess is what I should say, not perspective. The ga- gauge the prospect of them trying to make a run at the rest of the AFC, and they're probably still 
which is unbelievable to say, still probably, in my opinion, the second best team in the AFC, which is crazy because I say I'm not I'm not jumping off the Patrick Mahomes wagon just yet. I still think there's uh, they're still trying to figure things out, obviously, but uh, that's still very good defense, as good of a defense as that Chiefs team has ever had. Um, and I, you know, I think that uh, I think that uh, it'll be interesting, and it'll be interesting to see what uh, what happens there between Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill back in Cincinnati or back in Kansas City. Very interesting ball game. Lots of storylines in that one. Then we also get uh, we get uh, Green Bay. They're traveling to Dallas. So much recent history uh, from this matchup. Playoff-wise, Des Bryant. The game in 2017 when Aaron Rodgers let a drive hit James Cook on a 42-yard uh, pass that led to a game-winning field goal. It was 34-31 in that game. Uh, first NFL championship, or one of the first NFL championships, Bart Starr, everybody remember that game. The uh, the Ice Bowl, I can't remember the name, I think it was the Ice Bowl, if I remember correctly. I can't remember it off the top of my head. The Ice Bowl, just a tons of, of history between these two teams, obviously, that date back to essentially the beginning of the, the professional football league, the NFL. Uh, and then not to mention, Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy facing his former team in the playoffs for the first time since leaving Green Bay. Head coach Mike McCarthy, obviously, facing his first time, uh, his former team in the playoffs for the first time since leaving, uh, I guess not really leaving Green Bay, being fired from Green Bay. Uh, and this will be the first time he is playing them in the playoffs. So that'll be interesting. That's a very interesting matchup. And then the creme de la creme, the one that seemed impossible heading into uh, week 18. There was a ton of stuff that had to break this way for in order for this matchup to happen, and it ended up happening. Los Angeles Rams, they're traveling to Detroit to take on the Lions. It's Matt Stafford versus Jared Goff. Matt Stafford against his former team, Jared Goff against his former team, uh, the team that Jared Goff was traded to for an upgrade at the time, who was Matt Stafford, that eventually led the Rams to a Super Bowl victory. The team that Jared Goff was uh, traded away from in the Rams goes to the Detroit, the Detroit Lions, kind of reinvents his entire career in Detroit, becomes a quarterback that we see as salvageable, somebody that is actually good in the NFL. Matt Stafford is the one that he is traded for, essentially. I don't know if it's a direct a direct swap. I can't really remember. I think there's some picks involved somewhere. I think the, the Lions got picks, if I remember correctly, for giving away Matt Stafford and taking the contract of Jared Goff off of the Rams' hands. And the Rams, in turn, obviously, they get Matt Stafford, they go on the Super Bowl run, and they win the Super Bowl, obviously. And now... Matt Stafford will travel back to Detroit for the first time since 2021 uh, and the first time in the playoffs. Matt Stafford will travel back to Detroit to play the team that drafted him, the team that he became probably the greatest quarterback that they ever had in the history of that franchise, if I remember correctly. Uh, if I'm thinking correctly, that's kind of off the top of my head, but I think I'm, I'm pretty comfortable in saying that. Probably the best quarterback, which is crazy to say. I mean, he did not have, he had a decently long career there, but he didn't have a very long career there. Uh, and obviously moves down to, he goes down to LA and went to the Super Bowl to, in uh, with the Rams. So, crazy. Just a beautiful, a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful uh, main course, if you will, of football. This upcoming weekend, I think the odds right now for the Lions-Rams game, it is Lions minus three and a half. Another game that is very interesting to me, uh, the Rams, the Lions have had some questionable moments, uh, defensively especially, and I think if the Rams, that, that offense has been clicking, Matt Stafford has looked really good, they got game breakers and Puka Nakua, Cooper Cup on that offensive side, Kyron Williams has been a godsend for that running game as well, uh, that's a that's an interesting game, I think the Rams could pull that one off, I would, uh, I, and I think, I, I kind of, I trust Matthew Stafford to have the poise more in that situation, more so than Jared Goff, with uh, Matthew Stafford coming in, having won a Super Bowl, you know, all the 
the winning and accomplishments that he's done at uh, in L.A. as the Rams quarterback has me a little bit more confident in that team uh, than the than the Lions. But with that being said, Ben Johnson, Dan Campbell, I mean, they've really done an unbelievable job in Detroit. And uh, that's not a, a team that like, that's a tough matchup for the Rams. I, if I were the Rams, I'd rather be playing like the Eagles right now. I much had much more, have much more confidence in the Rams if they were playing the Eagles right now uh, than if they were playing the Lions. So. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see that one. Uh, the Cowboys Packers game, that one sits at minus seven and a half right now for the Cowboys. That feels about right, but Jordan Love has looked very good as well. And if he can come into Dallas and Dallas is having, they've had nightmares, obviously, of Packers, the the Packers in the playoffs before uh, in recent memory, obviously. So I wouldn't put that out of the realm of possibility with that being in the back of their heads as well. The other two games that are kind of, eh, you know, interesting, uh, not as interesting storyline wise as the other two. Bills obviously going to the Steelers this game. Has kind of blown up because uh, for line wise, betting line wise, their bills are minus 10 point favorites as of right now. Um, and I think that is kind of because of some of the reporting that we're getting out of Pittsburgh saying that TJ Watt is probably well, he's questionable. He's very questionable. He's going to have he had a grade two MCL sprain, which not easy to come back from just from one week. And at the very least, if he does come back. There's no reason to really believe that he's going to be the same impact, obviously, as he normally is on the field with an MCL sprain like that. So we're interesting to see what the Steelers do, um, but losing the best sack creator, pressure creator in all of football uh, is a big, a big loss if he is unable to play in that game. So not necessarily surprising there that that line is kind of imploded or exploded, I guess, uh, there. And then finally, Eagles Bucks. This one's kind of interesting. Jalen Hurts is, uh, you know, he got he hurt his middle finger, had a weird looking middle finger issue in that game or after the the game against the during the game against the Giants, the Week 18 finale. Uh, we'll see if he is able to play. Everything kind of reports. All the reports say that he is going to be able to play. So um, good for the Eagles, obviously. And then uh, AJ Brown, he went down with an injury as well. That would be a huge loss. But according to reports, he, he is questionable to play. In that game against the Buccaneers, uh, Buccaneers, I don't think have any huge major injury concerns as of right now, other than the guys that they've lost previously uh, in previous weeks, um, but nothing of concern in week 18. So that's an interesting game. I'm surprised. I mean, honestly, the Eagles have completely imploded as a team over the last five weeks. So they're only two and a half point favorites against this Bucks team. Uh, and that's going to be an interesting game. I'd be curious to see if the, if the Eagles just somehow it all clicks, they somehow figure it all out and they come out and, I don't think they're going to dominate the Bucks, but I mean, I, I wouldn't, I think that's a game that they should obviously win, but so is the game against the Giants and, you know, some of the other games that they've lost this, these previous, you know, five weeks or so. So interesting stuff going on in, uh, in Philly, very interesting stuff. We'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens in Philly. Uh, but Wildcard weekend for those six games, man, cool storylines. I'm excited for it. God, I love the playoffs. They just know how to write that script. The NFL just knows how to write that script, obviously. They're, they're doing a good job at it. Uh, okay, really quickly, low on time here. We're starting to wrap up the show. I want to give a quick prediction for the college football playoff national championship. Quick prediction. Washington beats Michigan 31 to, no, actually 38 to 35. That's my prediction. That's my prediction. I think Washington can do it. I think Washington's going to do it. I think they're going to get into a shootout type of match and in a type of game, not a match type. It's not a football match. It's not a football match. It's a football game. Uh, I think they're going to get into a shootout type of game. And if there is a shootout, then I have all my money on Michael Penix. Michael Penix, the, the gunslingingest 
coolest quarterback in all of college football. I, I think Washington pulls it off. Comes maybe it becomes maybe the most not head scratching, but interesting national champion that we we've maybe had in the last fifteen years. A Pac-12 champion, uh, a team that has not been necessarily known for their college football prowess. Just recruiting correctly, transfer portal correctly, got a great head coach, a great offensive scheme around Michael Penix, and pull it off against Michigan. Uh, the strangest national champion would have been TCU last year if they didn't run into the buzzsaw that was Georgia. Um, but anyways, I, I believe in Washington. I believe in Michael Penix. I believe in Washington. 38-35. Give me the Huskies over the Michigan Wolverines. Okay. That, ladies and gentlemen, is going to wrap things up. For me, I want to thank you very much for tuning in to the Weekend Sports Wrap podcast. Remember, you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever it is, you can get it anywhere. And uh, please remember to leave a, writing, uh, a rating on all those podcasting platforms for the show. It greatly helps the show grow more. Gets into some of the trending areas of those uh, those podcasting platforms, is podcasting trending page, if you will. So uh, if you could leave a rating, five stars, that would be terrific. I greatly appreciate you guys listening. We'll be back next week. We'll probably recap the uh, the national championship as well and uh, whatever else happens. Wild Card Weekend as well. We'll talk about that, obviously, as well. So see you next week. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. I've been James Tiberlake, and this has been the Weekend Sports Wrap Podcast. Podcast.